you this morning. And it's important always to take your word with you to see what God is saying. There's just something about reading it and, and renewing the, the word in your spirit. Second Corinthians, if you'll go there with me, to the eighth chapter. And I want to be sharing a little bit from the Second Corinthians 8, verse 9. Look at somebody and say, you can't get there from here. You can't get there from here. Ever heard anybody tell you that? You can't get there from here. I learned the hard way that there's not a bridge from Richmond, Virginia to Crisfield, Maryland. There's not a bridge. You have to go all the way up to Washington, D.C., Baltimore, Maryland, and come all the way down. There have been different places that we have visited throughout the world that we would have a destination or a, a desire to go to a certain place and only to be told you can't get there from here. That will be my theme or my thought the next few minutes this morning. You can't get there from here. Verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be made rich. Don't you thank God for the grace that he has given us, the good things that he has provided us and has blessed us with? This morning there seemed, there seemed to be an urgency or a expectancy today as we look at the words destiny. Every one of us have a destiny. Every one of us have a purpose. Many of us walk in the favor of God and the blessing of God. There are times in the sanctuary we will sing that song that we are hungry for you, we're thirsty for you, we're desiring more of you in our life. Last week we talked about when you walk in the door, you felt his presence. There's just something about deep, Psalm 42 and 7, calleth the deep. The Bible tells us, Psalm 79 and 13, that we are the sheep of his pasture. Psalms 91 says that he that dwelleth in the secret place of the most high. So there's a place that we can be with God. There's a place for me. Are you saying amen? Well, thank you, Jesus. Thank, thank you, Pastor Ron, for interjecting that. Right. That completely threw me. Rarely do I get thrown off, but that really kind of threw me up. Let's back up just a little bit and let me, let me tell you today that when the rich man died and went to hell, the Bible said he was conscious, he was aware of who he was, how many brothers he had, the lifestyle he had lived, and he remembered Lazarus, and he looked across a great gulf, and there was Lazarus with Abraham. And the rich man asked for Abraham to send Lazarus to, to him to cool his tongue. He was tormented in the flame. Now, there, there are four or five torments of hell. We won't touch base with those today. But there was a separation. There was a wall that separated the rich man from the people and the presence of God. You today can have a pulse rate of 72, a blood pressure of 120 over 80, an x-ray can reveal there's absolutely no cancer, nothing wrong with you, but everyone here today has something you cannot see, you cannot smell, you cannot, you cannot touch, but it's a disease. Look at somebody and say, it's a disease called sin. Isaiah 59 and 1 says, Behold, his hand is not short, they cannot save, neither is ear heavy that he cannot hear, but your sins have separated you from God. Isaiah 64 and 6 says, Not only is there none righteous, no, not one, but that our righteousness has filthy rags. The Surgeon General has determined that cigarette smoking causes cancer. It can hurt your baby, it can hurt other areas of your life. 
but nothing can hurt you today more than the presence of sin in your life. It is a disqualifier. It's a separator. David sang in Psalm 24 and 3, Lord, who shall dwell in thy tabernacle? Who shall abide in thy holy hill? And God gives David an answer. says, he that has clean hands and a pure heart. Are you glad today that God is the creator of the ends of the earth? Amos says he forms a mountain that he makes his throne upon the highest mountain range of all of eternity. But the challenge of where God is and where we want to be, we can't get to God because there is something separating us, unfortunately, again, called sin. As most of you know, I am a Mount Everest fan. I have absolutely no desire to ever climb Mount Everest. That's not something that I would like to do. But in 1852, it was determined that Mount Everest was the tallest mountain on Earth. And that, at that time, their, their calculations, they determined that Mount Everest was exactly 29,000 feet. Because they believed that people would assume they rounded that number off. They said that officially the, the height of Mount Everest was 29,002 feet. In 1953, Mount Everest was determined to be 29,029 feet. In 2012, Mount Everest was determined to be 29,070 feet. So we see that Mount Everest is not just growing one to three inches a year, but it's shifting to the east one inch a year. How scary is that? That's because there's three glaciers that actually make up Mount Everest that pushes it and prompts it to grow. Every day, if you're not careful, your mountain will get bigger than you can handle, bigger than you can conquer. But aren't you glad that we know the master of the wind? We know the one that cannot just move the mountain out of our life. He doesn't want to see it go around it, round it, round it. He wants the mountains moved from our life. No matter how tall they are, no matter how gregacious they seem to be, the power of the blood of Jesus can waste your mountain to sea level, and you can walk in the place that God has promised you. Thank you, Pastor Rhonda, for that. Some interesting things about Mount Everest and the reason Mount Everest has been so hard to climb, thousands have attempted to climb the mountain. 219 people have died climbing the mountain. If you were to go to Mount Everest right now, there are 150 corpses still on the mountain. They've never been, they've never been brought down. They're still there. That is their cemetery. That's where, they, that's, where they, that's where they died, and that's where they're at right now. When you get above a level of 20, 25,000 feet above sea level, the air not only becomes too thin to breathe, but the temperature becomes 32 below or 40 degrees below zero. Look at somebody and say, that is cold. There's absolutely nothing that lives at that height. However, they did find at 22,000 feet, they found a jumping spider. Of all things that would survive, that, that temperature would be a spider. Proverbs says that even a spider makes his way in king's castles there's not a whole lot that you can do about that yesterday christine thought that she walked into a spider web and she felt ever walked to a spider web fellas spiders all over you how ironic that spiders would be at that elevation the only thing ever seen at the top of mount everest are you ready is a bald eagle that's the only thing that ever flies at that particular height but it, the, the survival rate is so serious because there's no air to breathe and it becomes so close that any part of your flesh exposed to the elements, you get frostbite. People have lost toes, they've lost legs, they've lost fingers, uh, just something about that, that environment. And again, I have no desire to climb Mount Everest, but let me tell you some cool things about Mount Everest, if I may. 
some, I want to give you some dates. In 1953, Tenzing and Sherbet Enzing climbed to the top. Sir Edmund Hillary and Sherbet Enzing climbed to the top of Mount Everest, put the flag of Great Britain there. It was a great accomplishment. The world shared as it should. First people to ever reach the summit. In 1975, the first woman actually climbed the top of the mountain. Let's give it up for the women. In 1988, some crazy man paraglided off of Mount Everest. In the year 2000, David Canarco skied down the face of Mount Everest. Come on, give it up for the skier. In 2001, a blind climber, hello, a blind climber climbed the mountain. In 2010, a 13-year-old boy by the name of George Romero climbed the mountain. In 2012, the oldest female to reach the summit was 73 years old. And in 2012, there was a record. Two particular people climbed the mountain 21 different times. One woman climbed it in May 2011. She climbed it twice in one week. In 2013, the oldest person to ever reach the summit was a Chinese man, 80 years of age. And this will, this, will, this will blow your mind. In 2013, the first female amputee climbed the mountain and reached the summit. How phenomenal, how sensational, how incredible. But as you do research, you will learn the reason that these mountain climbers were able to climb the mountain is because somebody went up the backside and then lowered themselves off the face. And every time they dropped down the face, they drove a python in the rock, which is a nail that has the ability to be driven into solid rock. And upon that python, they established a rope, and they would come lower down the mountain and establish another python. There are four base camps of Mount Everest, the first at 15,000 feet. If you were to attempt to climb the mountain, first of all, know that you would need to raise somewhere between $25,000 to $60,000. That's the cost expense involved. Then you would have to fly out of three different airports. And once you got to your last airport, you would have to backpack eight to 12 days to reach the base camp. And at the base camp, you would have to stay at least 30 to 60 days for your lungs to become accustomed to the height that you were getting ready to conquer. Does that impress anybody in the building today? These great climbers that came down the face of this mountain the three elements, as I mentioned earlier, that makes it so devastating at Mount Everest is that winds, monsoon winds can blow up to speeds of 100 miles per hour. The weather, 40 degrees below. The ice is so slippery, so perilous. There are several places on the climb that if you were to slip and fall, you would fall 8,000 feet to your death. As I mentioned earlier, over 219 people have died trying to cut, climb the mountain. There was one expedition in 1996, a very terrible expedition, as a party was trying to climb the summit. They encountered a, a man coming down from the summit that his equipment had failed. They were not able to help him, and when they climbed the mountain, they came back down, he was dead. So mountain climbing can be very serious. Let me tell you something, getting to where God is can be very serious. Do I have a friend in the building? And what I think is so cool about God, and as we look at this transition of you can't get there from there from here, we can't get to where God is at because of the sin factor in our life. So that's when God decided if we can't get to where He is, then He will come to 
where we are. Does that bless anybody in the building? If Muhammad can't get to the mountain, the mountain will come to God. And we see God almost in the form of, a, of, a, of an advanced mountain climber blazing a, a trail, creating a place for us to go to where he is. And as the creator of the ends of the earth and all the universes and all the worlds combined, we see that God sits upon a throne. But God decided to lower himself down the face of that mountain. John 1 and 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. So God decides in the form of the Word to descend that mountain, to drive a python on the rock, and establish that the place of the Word. Aren't you glad this morning the Bible says that heaven and earth shall pass away, but my Word shall never pass away, Matthew 24 and 36. But there's something about the Word that if you're not careful, you could be confused. And the reason I say that, how many different translations of the Bible we have, how many different doctrines, how many different denominations, some believe there is no literal hell, some believe that life after death is simply a, a nirvana, a, a metaphor. I mean, how scary could that be? Even when God spoke from heaven himself and said to Jesus when he's being baptized, thou art my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased, the Bible says that some heard the voice of God, but others, all they heard was a noise. Aren't you glad this morning that my sheep hear my voice and the voice of another? They will not follow. But because God was afraid that the word would be misinterpreted and mistranslated, God decided to lower himself down the face of that mountain, just a little bit closer to humanity, and call himself the light. In Genesis 1 and 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was out form and void, and darkness moved upon the face of the deep. The Spirit of God moved upon the face of the water. And God said, let there be light. The Word is transformed into light. That's not the sun. The sun was not created until the fourth day, but that was the light of God. That was the light of eternal glory. That was the Shekinah glory that directed the steps of the, of the wilderness as they made their, their way to the promised land that God had promised. Light, we know, when it shines in darkness, it completely banishes the darkness. Aren't you glad that when you turn the light on, there are no shadows, there's no darkness, but darkness goes away. But the challenge with light is that light was very impersonal. Light was very cold. There really is no relationship that you can attach to the light. So God not just lowers himself as the word, drives a nail in that rock and establishes a place, he comes a little lower and drives another nail in the face of that, of that mountain and calls it the light and then comes a little bit lo lower in John 1 and 14. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld the glory of the Father full of grace and of truth. We see this phenomenon of John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. In Galatians 4 and 2, it said, But when the fullness of time was come, God sent His Son. All of a sudden, we see another transition taking place that not just the Word draws closer to us, not just the light to shine on the Word so we can interpret it, but all of a sudden, God manifests Himself in the flesh and declares that He sent His Son for you and for me. Do I have a friend in the building that loves the fact that God sent His Son? Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, God being the form of man, thought it not robbed me, equal of God, but made of himself no reputation, now establishes a relationship with life. 
But something about a king and something about a priest, they too have a tendency to be unreachable. They too have a tendency to be untouchable. I doubt today that any of us could get a personal audience with the high priest of Israel. I doubt today that any of us could get a personal audience with the president of the United States or even just the secretary of state because they seem to be in a place all their own. So what God determined is that not just lowering himself becoming the word and the light and the sun, but God said that I will lower myself and I will become a friend. Proverbs 17 and 17 said that there is a friend that loveth at all times. Aren't you glad that we have a friend in Jesus, all of our needs and griefs to bear? What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. In Proverbs 18, 24 said, there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Aren't you glad that he didn't just decide to be the son of God, but he decided to be your friend, my friend. He called Abraham friend. He called uh, Judas friend. And he called Lazarus friend. What a friend that we have today that we can establish a connection or relationship with him. Nexus 33 and 11, God said to Moses, I will speak to you face to face as a friend, as a friend to friend. How many of you ever felt like in your personal prayer closet that he just wasn't the God, the king of the world, that he wasn't just the creator of the ends of the earth, but you felt like you had a friend that you could unload on. Isn't it fun sometimes to be able to unload on God and just tell him how you really, really feel? So he drives another python on that rock and establishes himself as a friend. It was a great gesture, but it wasn't quite low enough for us to get to where he's at. So he decides to come down that mountain one more time and calls himself a servant. Isaiah 42 and 1, Behold my servant in whom I have put my spirit in. Jesus told the disciples, I didn't come to be first. I didn't come to be ministered to, but I came to minister. Aren't you glad this morning that we have a friend that also is here to serve us, to bless us, to help us, to encourage us? Almost missed. He almost can reach out and be where God is at. But God said, I'm not quite close enough. So he lowers himself one more notch, one more level, drives a rock in that, it drives a, a python in that rock and calls himself the lamb. John 1 and 21, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. 2 Corinthians 5 and 21, Made him to be sin whom there was no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God. He, he presents himself as a lamb. We shared a few weeks ago that when Jesus was nailed to the cross, all the sins of mankind were nailed to the cross with him. Does that excite anybody? This morning God tells us he has separated our sins as far as the east is from the west at Psalms 103 and 12. And if you were to travel at the speed of light, which is 582 billion miles a year, that's a lot of miles. I know Chris probably travels half that much a year. But traveling at the speed of light, what our telescopes have seen the, from one end of the universe to the other, and they tell us that's not the end, that's just the extent of their telescopes but if you were to travel at the speed of light 582 billion miles a year you could not in a hundred thousand years touch the east with the, with the west but that's how he, far he has removed our sins from us as the east is from the west he's put all of our sins in the sea of forgetfulness then he hangs up a sign that says no no fishing and then he declares to us i am the lord who remembered not thy sins why 
because we have a lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world and every sacrifice that was made in the Old Testament was made on credit but when Jesus would nail the cross and the blood hit the ground there was a fountain filled from Emmanuel's veins that sinners plunge beneath that blood lose all their guilty stains Isaiah 1 and 18 come now let us reason together saith the Lord of hosts though your sins be as scarlet they shall be as wool though they be as crimson they shall be white as snow and then he says if you be willing and obedient you shall eat of the good of a lamb that not only did he become the lamb are you ready for this but he sides the step just one step closer Philippians 2 and 5 he goes from the word to the light to the son to the friend to the servant to the lamb all the way down into the gutter where we walk and was made sin the song says he came from heaven to earth to show the way from the earth to the cross my sin to pay from the cross to the grave from the grave to the sky Lord I lift your name on high Hebrews 11 and 15 neither is there salvation in any other for there is no other name under heaven whereby we must be saved Paul said while I was a sinner Christ died for me the word says all have sinned to come short the glory of God but before he gave up his life on the cross he reached out to the thief and said today thou shalt be with me in paradise that means something to me this week William called and said that her brother was found unconscious that he was on a, a ventilator I told her I said Leanne go to the go to the hospital room go to the mercy room I was there yesterday when they took him off support he's still breathing his body is still functioning but he's not in that body he's gone I said Leanne assume that he can hear you pray with him the sinner's prayer and then ask him to squeeze your hand if he heard you she went prayed the sinner's prayer asked him to squeeze her hand and he squeezed her hand I might encourage you to live your life right up to the last moment like the thief on the cross did like Roger did I'm gonna encourage you to live your life but aren't you glad that the blood of Jesus can save from the uttermost to the uttermost from the gutter to the to, to whatever walk of life you're in he can come and his blood can set you free Romans 8 and 2 that God came in his love towards us yet while we were still sinners. did you know that, that God saw you on your worst day think about that the bad hair day the attitude day where everybody was wrong and you were right day your narcissistic moment all of that God saw you at your worst possible time in life and I I reflect back to 32 years ago and all the the stuff I was involved in on my worst day God saw me and said I want you I'm gonna change you I'm gonna mold you and I'm gonna give you a stairway that leads from where from where you're at to where I am and where I am there ye shall be also yesterday I was a drug addict but I heard an old old story how a Savior came from glory how he gave his life on Calvary to save a wretch like me and then I cried dear Jesus come and heal my broken spirit and somehow Jesus came and brought to me the victory and since then this is my story this is my song I've been washed in his blood born of the Spirit I'm a child of God what can wash away my sins say it with me nothing but the blood of Jesus I love that song that says at the cross at the cross where I first saw the light and the burdens of my heart rolled away it was there by faith I received my sight and now I am happy all the day can anybody relate to the fact today that we have been brought out of that sin 
out of that hellhole and we have been transformed by the blood of Jesus and that we have been called lambs? Does that excite you? That there is a transition. No longer a drug addict. No longer an alcoholic. No longer full of pride. No longer full of myself. No longer burdened by the weight and the grime and the horror of sin that separates me from God. But now he calls me a lamb. And I declare if, he, if I am a lamb, then aren't you glad this morning that he is our shepherd? And in that shepherdhood, every area of your life is covered. David said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Can I tell you today, I shall not want for rest, for he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want for refreshment, because he leadeth me beside still waters. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want for restoration, because he restoreth my soul. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want for substance, for he prepareth a table before me in the presence of my enemy. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want for abundance, for my cup runneth over. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want for direction, for he leadeth me through paths of righteousness for his name's sake. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want for anything in this life because I've got two angels called goodness and mercy that go before me and I shall not want for anything in that life which has come because I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Does that excite any sheep in this building this morning? No longer sin, no longer a lamb. But as I make my way back up that rock, because he has paved a way, because there's a highway called holiness, now I can retrace his steps. Hello. By, for by your grace, he has become poor so that you might be rich. So now I can retrace. If he came all the way to the gutter to pay for sin, then I'm no longer sin. If he came all the way from heaven to earth to be the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world, then I become a lamb. If he came all the way from glory to become a servant to serve the body of Christ, John 12 and 36, if any man serve me, let him follow me, and where I am, there shall my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my Father honor. Does that excite anybody this morning that God re rewards us for our servanthood? What we make happen to others, he blesses us, watches over us, and has promised to reward that for us. I like that powerful, powerful song that says, Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. Tis grace has brought me safe this far, and grace will lead me on. But the more I become connected with God, the more I begin to climb up that mountain, and I find out that I am no longer a sinner, I'm no longer a lamb, I'm no longer a, 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 a servant. But the Word of God says that now that I am the friend of God, He calls me friend. Ephesians 2 and 13, you who are drawn nigh by the blood of Jesus are now brought into his presence. Aren't you glad this morning that you have a friend, and I'm going to tell you his name. The name of God. Everybody wants to know his name. Everybody says, what's the name? I'm going to tell you the name of God. Are you ready? Are you sure? Wait for it. Andy. Andy. Andy walks with me. Andy talks with me. Andy tells me. I am his own. I like the other song that says, I'm my beloved and he is mine. His banner over me is love. But not just a servant, not just a friend, 
Romans 8 and 14, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. You don't receive the bondage again to fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. In the Hebrew language, there's not a, there's not a word, there's not a, there's not a daddy in the Hebrew language. So we adopt a Greek word, Abba, and we call him Daddy. Aren't you glad this morning that you're a son and a daughter of the Most High God, joint heirs with Jesus Christ, and fellowship with the suffering, that if we suffer with Him, we may be also glorified together. What did you say? Equal suffering, equal glory. The glory shall be equal or greater to the suffering. How many feel like you're suffering lately? Let me tell you something. Your, your boats get ready to come in. Your ships get ready to come in. And there's going to be joy unspeakable and full of glory that God has for you. But watch this. I've stepped out of the gutter of sin. I become that lamb. I become that servant. I become that friend. I become that son. But now I reach a little higher because he declares that we are the light of the world. A city set upon a hill that cannot be hid. Look at, the, look at this transition that we are moving upward. That song says, I'm moving, up, I'm moving upward, that higher way, higher ground every day. Aren't you glad this morning that you are standing on the, upon the rock, the stone, the builder rejected the cornerstone, the, the, the stone of life, the foundation of Christ, and now you are trying to reveal him to somebody else? Isn't that what light does? We sang that song growing up in Sunday school, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. Straight as a gate, narrow the way. We have that path. We have that place. And as long as we walk in discipline, and as long as we walk in accountability, and as long as we walk in discipleship and stewardship, we will become that light in a dark place. You can be that light on a park bench at a car wash. You can be that light at a Denny's restaurant. You can be at that light in Walmart. No matter where you go, the Bible promises light that's on the inside of you is a magnet that draws others to you. Just like bugs are drawn to the light, God allows sinners to be drawn to you. You know why? Because they see you have something they don't have. They see you have something that you cannot accomplish with drugs or alcohol or money. And I believe it's time that we need to start letting our light shine, speak up and tell the world what God has done for us. Do I have a witness in the building? We're almost there. Look at someone and say, we're almost there. John 15 and 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and anything shall be accomplished. We can actually become the word of God. Look at somebody and say, you're bluffing. We can actually become the, the Word of God. Watch this. Those of us that have a brain, it's made up of millions of, the best way to describe it, we a mop head. How many have ever seen a mop head? This mop head has all of these, have all these fibers, and your brain is made up of hundreds of millions of those, of those fibers. And we're told that when you learn a birthday or an address or a phone number or a fact of history, that that thought becomes fused to one of those strands and it actually becomes a part of your brain. We're also told that through repentance, the power of God touches that negative memory and touches that negative hurt, that negative pain 
and dissolves it and melts it and it flows from the brain through the tear ducts. That's why the Bible says that there is power in tears and he that goeth forth weeping shall doubtless come again bearing precious sheaves with him. That when you have that, that new, that new, look at someone say that new brain, that renewed mind, that's wide open for all kinds of things. When you learn a scripture or you learn a promise, it becomes welded to your brain so that scripture you memorize actually becomes a part of your brain. It actually becomes a part of you. Don't you wish that we would dedicate more time to learn more things about the word of God, the power of God, the love of God, that we would memorize scriptures instead of rock stars and, and, and ball teams, who wins, who doesn't win, and spend more time focusing on the word of God. Do I have a friend in the building? So look at this transition. Look at this stairway leading to heaven. Because he came down to where we are, now we can go to where he is. I've stepped out of sin. I've stepped in that lamb position. I've stepped in that servant position. I've stepped in that friend position, that son position. I've stepped in that light position. I've stepped in that word position. And one day, look at someone and say, and one day, that glorious hope is going to resurrect me out of this carnal place and take me to the place of God forever. I one day, says I one day will wind up where God's at forever. Can I tell you how long forever is? May I attempt to describe to you how long forever is? If you were to ask a hummingbird, a little tiny hummingbird, there were two in my backyard this morning, and you were to ask that hummingbird to go to the coast of California and pick up one grain of sand, and ask that hummingbird to fly all the way to the coast of New York City and drop that grain of sand. And then ask that hummingbird to make its way back to 3,000 miles across the United States, back to the coast of California, and pick up another grain of sand. By the time that little hummingbird had picked up every single grain of sand off the 1,000-mile coastline of California, and deposited all that sand, making all the infinite amount of trips back and forward. By the time that hummingbird had deposited all that sand on that New York beach, that would be the first second of eternity. That's how long forever is. We know less days sing God's praise to be in his presence forever with him. What a God. What a family. Pastor AC, if you'll help me in the keyword. Actually, I'll let you play it by yourself. In the um, the karate world and the necklace world, there's a symbol that many people wear on their neck. You'll see it on bumper stickers. You can see it in tattoos. It's called the power of yin and yang. And those really involved in kung fu, involved in karate, have determined that there's obviously a white power, and there's obviously a dark power. And of course, we know that, the difference between good and evil. We, we acknowledge that's, that's correct. 
But if you were to research the story of yin and yang, they were brothers. And one day, Yang went to town and got in trouble. Got into an argument, got into a dispute, and in that argument, killed somebody. LT got blood all over him. Ran home, took off his bloody clothes, threw him in the corner, took a shower, and dressed. His brother, Yin, heard some confusion outside and realized that there was a posse, there was an entourage of people headed towards his house because someone had told them the criminal had ran into his house clothes covered in blood. So Yin went to the corner where all of his brother's bloody clothes were, took off his clothes, put on the bloody clothes, and then when they came, they arrested Yin because of bloody clothes. They determined a certain date they were to execute him. And on that day of execution, Yang came clean. Went to the authorities and said, I am the one that committed the murder. I'm the one that should deserve to die. And the committee said, that might be correct. But it's too late. Sentence has already been declared. This execution will take place. And that day, Yang watched his brother Yen executed for his sins. That's exactly what has happened to you and I. We have messed up horrifically and we're contaminated with the evil of sin. So Jesus Christ shed his blood, paid your price so that you wouldn't be executed, that you would have life and have it more abundantly. He took your bloody clothes and put them on so that you could put on the robe of righteousness, or even better, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. As every head is bowed, as every eyes closed. Those of you listening by podcast or watching by DVD or listening to CD, I want to encourage you to be a part of this moment. If this morning you have realized that there is a, a barrier there is an isolation, there is a separation between you and God. And there's a hunger, there's a desire, there's a yearning to be in that secret place, to be where God is, to be a part of what God is a part of. Yet you realize that there is error and there is lack in your life. And you're not where you want to be. I'm pleased to tell you this morning that God knew this day would come. He knew you'd experience this frustration. And so he determined to leave where he was and to come to where you're at so that you can leave where you're at and you can go to where he is. He said, my burden is easy, my yoke is light. Becoming a Christian or accepting God into your life does not mean that you're immune from problems. It rains on the just and on the unjust. But it simply means that we have a friend that doesn't just sit closer than a brother, but it has the ability to come to where we are, no matter where we are, and lift us up out of the miry clay and put us on a rock, the stone the bill rejected, and put a new song in our mouth, the song of the ransomed and the song of the redeemed. That barrier this morning 
That gulf that's between you and God has been spanned by a bridge. There is a bridge over troubled water, and it is Jesus Christ. He invites you to accept him into your heart. He invites you to follow his steps as he leads you across this river called life and takes us all the way to the presence of his Father. If you're here this morning or you're listening by podcast or CD or you're watching by DVD and you're not where you need to be this morning and you know it, this moment's for you. This window, this time, this word is for you. God has come to where you are. He is with you now. And if you'll acknowledge with me your hunger, your desire to make him the Lord of your life, doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. Doesn't mean you won't make mistakes. Doesn't mean you won't fall down. A good man falls down seven and gets back up eight. Doesn't mean that, that you, will be, you will be spotless, for there is none righteous. No, not one. But it means that you have a God living on the inside of you that walks with you, talks with you, shows you the way to walk, and will never, never, never leave thee. Never, never forsake thee, the original translation. Never leave you or forsake you. If you've wandered away from God and you're not where you're supposed to be, if you're here this morning, or you're listening by DVD or CD, if you just put your hand up and let God see it. Let heaven take a snapshot. Is there one? He is a good God. If all today, if all of the practice of yesterday, all the practice of this morning, if all the memorization of all these scriptures, the putting together of these notes, was all about you who lifted her hand, you're worth it. You're worth all this. You're worth, you're, you're worth everything that God did, everything that God did through his son, he did it for you. And if you're the only person upon the face of the earth today that's calling out to God, he will come to where you are. He will hear your cry. He will wash the sin in your life. He will find a place in your heart. He will allow you to call him Lord. He will allow you to call him friend. And all the promises that he has attached, he invites you to quickly find out what they are and begin to walk in them. Father, we acknowledge today in the name of Jesus that we have all sinned and come short your glory. We acknowledge this morning that we have all failed and we all, we all have this sin factor. But this morning as we acknowledge our sin, we ask you to take the blood of your son and to wash that sin, to blot that sin, to remove that sin from our life. To remove these filthy garments from us and allow us to put our faith, our trust, our hope in you. And let us put on that garment of praise. Put a new song in our mouth. Let those that used to know us see a change. Don't look for me to be. There's been a change in me. I've found a better way. Let our life be a light. Let our mouth speak the word. Let us know that we are little precious lambs that we have a shepherd. Let us know that we are servants that there are times when we're required to step up the plate and be used in the kingdom. Let us know that we are friends and, and we're friends that can sit closer than a brother. And let us know that we are the light and we will not hide this light under a bushel, but we will boldly let it shine. Our words will be your words. Our thoughts will be your thoughts. Your mind will be our mind. Your ways will be our ways. We acknowledge this and we proclaim it in the name of Jesus. For the one this morning and those listening by podcast and those watching by DVD or CD, can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise for that one that has come back to the place 
where God has for them. The Bible says there is joy in the presence of the Lord over one sinner that repents. The Bible says all of heaven rejoices. All of heaven rejoices with the coin, the sheep, the son that was lost but now is found. No longer lost but now found. Now a part of the family in the presence of God. And there are things that you need to do. You need to get around the right people, saying the right thing, doing the right thing. You need to become addicted. Addicted. Paul said, Achilla and Priscilla are addicted to the gospel. And if fall in love with your word, find a translation that blesses you. Don't let people, don't let people tell you what translation you need to read. Read a translation that you understand, that you comprehend. And if later you want to study Greek, who did we meet the other day that was a Greek scholar? Yeah, later, later if you want to become a Greek scholar, you want to speak Greek, you want to speak Hebrew, more power to you. But get a word that you enjoy. Be a, be a part of a, I'm speaking to those listening by podcast or, you know, get, be a part of a fellowship. Be a, be a part of a church. Go to a church that has praise and worship. Go to a church that has the word of God, an opportunity to minister, opportunity to be a light, a dark place. The song says, oh, to be his hand extended reaching out to the oppressed let me touch him let me touch jesus so that others may know and be blessed give yourself a hand clap today you said you said